Welcome to the podcast, The Caring Scientist, Mission Sustainable. This is the podcast where we discuss sustainability in science and we give you hands-on tips on how you can reduce the environmental impact of your lab work. Welcome to this episode of the Caring Scientist podcast. This episode will be slightly different because it's been actually a year since we have launched the podcast and many things have changed for us. And this episode is an update about our lives, where we are at, what we've learned, but also a reflection on the year that went by and the episodes we have produced. So, Nicolina, do you remember when I approached you last year? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it feels like it's 10 years ago, really. I know. But uh, yeah, that was just a little more than a year ago. Yeah, I'm happy you did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah me, me too, because uh, it's been so much fun to work with you on this podcast. And it's just, it's a nice feeling to produce something that is yours, that you're passionate about and that people find interesting as well. Yeah, and it's very tangible also, right? I think both of us also work with a lot of stuff where it's like, yeah, I don't know, just less tangible, the results. Yeah, definitely. But back then, I remember I was sitting for, I mean, that was during lockdown and everything, right? So I was sitting in my hometown in a room in my mom's house forever. <laughs> and that's where we, we started having contact and recording recording stuff. So yeah, a lot of things have happened since then. Yeah, I, I was working in a biomedical startup in Cambridge. And for me, it was just like, I wanted to do something about it. I mean, it was like the lab ways, so many things related to lab practices that were not good for the environment. And I just really wanted to do something about it. So yeah, I reached out to you because a friend of mine found you on Instagram. And this is all how it started, right? We had an amazing conversation and already after our first call, we decided to do this. Exactly. Yeah, so back then I was spending most of my time working as an independent value-driven green lab consultant. I'm still the same, but now I'm doing a lot more things in addition. So I'm also now currently working two days a week at the University of Copenhagen as a sustainable labs advisor, implementing and rolling out the LEAF green lab certification program, which we also made a podcast about. Then I'm engaged in Scientist Rebellion, so a climate activist where we do civil disobedience to get the politicians to do what they're supposed to do and listen to the science, but also to get the media to call call out the bullshit that the politicians are saying. And then I'm also writing various articles related to sustainability in academia and also opinion pieces for newspapers and stuff. I'm still still working as a Green Lab independent consultant, but also a lot of other activities now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds amazing, all the things that you've been involved in and you know, you've become also such an important figure in the sustainability and, and, and science field. Um, when I talk to other people as well, I mean, people know you and uh, isn't that a great feeling that, you know, people refer to you and ask you questions and reach out? I don't think I really understand that I play an important role. I mean, I do something that I'm passionate about. So in that way, it doesn't really translate into a feeling because it's that's not my... I don't really perceive that, right? I mean, I do get people reach out and ask questions and want me to do talks and workshops and all of this, but but I don't really see myself as like a, 
a leading star. But I actually had I had an email from someone in Germany who who said she was she was a fan, and I was like, oh whoa, <laughs> I have a fan, and she was like, I can't be the only one. But yeah, I thought that was just really really cute. Yeah. I mean, uh, for the podcast, sometimes we get it, you know, people message, yeah. oh, I'm a fan, and uh, it, it's just really nice. But I think, you know, it, it's clearly your passion that comes through, and I think that's what people, yeah, make them motivated and engaged. Hopefully. And what about you? What are you doing now compared to a year ago? Oh my God, my life has changed completely. <laughs> I do not work in a biomedical startup anymore in Cambridge. Uh, I'm still in Cambridge, but I'm working as a program manager at a center for doctoral training. And this center focuses on sensor technologies that are related to the sustainability or healthcare sector. That is just uh, absolutely interesting to hear about all the research activities uh, that are happening in this in these fields and i'm based in the department of chemical engineering and uh, biotechnology and they have a really great sustainability team as well that i've joined um i only recently joined but they are working towards achieving the silver qualification or silver medal for the cambridge green challenge um, so I've been um, following a little bit the activities there, but I have to say it's just nice to be around people that are very passionate about sustainability and science. And one of the things that I'm also, I think, super excited about is um, that I will implement actually a workshop in the master year of this course about sustainable lab practices, um, just simply because I think it's super important that young scientists want to do something about climate change already get some sort of information it's about raising awareness but also giving the information resources that they can act um, that they know that there are things that they can do easily in the lab to improve and have an impact on their carbon footprint so i think that's amazing and i could have not done it without this uh, podcast and all the knowledge that we've um, gained throughout the year I think you're so right about getting getting the the young researchers to get this in before they get all these bad habits that we already see the let's say older generations or even my bad habits when I was working in a lab. And if you can reach them early and and teach them that things can be done differently, then that's really really amazing. Maybe can you put a few words on the Cambridge Green Challenge? Now you mentioned that the sustainability group is aiming for a silver medal in that challenge. Yeah, so um, it's an accreditation um, scheme as well. So we've obviously heard about the LEAF scheme, but there are also different schemes. And um, this is um, primarily for the or this is for the University of Cambridge. And it's basically um, tasks, basically like a checklist they have to work through. Primarily, it's about raising awareness, but also understanding, for example, energy um, usage in the department and, and in general trying to get an understanding for what is happening and, and then thinking about actions, how to improve it. There's also a newsletter that they started implementing where I wrote a few articles for. But it's so related to both bringing awareness but also taking action. Taking action and engaging people as well. Yeah, it's 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 a small group, but it's it's also a lot of students and not only staff that are driving this. And I think that's 
that's what's really important. And that sort of translates nice into the to the next question, so to say. What do you think has happened to, let's say, the Green Lab landscape in the past year since we started this podcast? I think there has been such a massive increase in interest. I think most departments nowadays at the university have some sort of green initiatives. At the beginning, it was just you that I was aware of. Um, and now, you know, there's a sustainable European laboratory network called CELS. And yeah, just growing and growing and people also approaching us uh, um, and showing interest. What is your opinion, Nicolina, since you've been yeah. you know, primarily involved? I can only agree. I think there was, of course, already some interest when we started a year ago, but yeah, it has really exploded. I see a lot more green teams popping up, both at, for example, the University of Copenhagen, but also many other research organizations. I'm also, of course, approached a lot with like requests for talks or whatever. I see also a lot of symposia, like online, virtual or hybrid meetings around sustainable science uh, that are really focused on taking action, not just talking about climate change as a thing and we need to deal with it, but actually how do we deal with it and how can we play a role in our work environment, which is amazing. But I also see another side of it, which is, let's say, from the manufacturer uh, side or the product side, I think greenwashing is, like, that has exploded maybe even more than the interest in green labs. I see a lot of companies and their websites with these homemade little green icons that are supposed to help customers choose greener products. Maybe these products are in fact slightly greener, but I mean, they're just not doing enough. I mean, that you change the packaging is not, that doesn't make the product greener. That just makes the packaging greener and the products need, really need to be be changed. But we also spoke a lot about this with Raj Pady from uh, My Green Lab, also a great episode. So I think I, I definitely see an interest, but I also see a lot more companies blurring up the picture and making it making it actually more difficult for lab users to do the right thing. So that's that's unfortunate, but that also that's why it still matters to discuss all these things and have symposia and podcasts and whatever on the topic. Yeah, no, that is a really good point about greenwashing because. It, I I think yeah, there's not a lot of transparency as well. So I I think that the episode you were referring to with the ACT label, that's a first good step to provide consumers with information to be able to make a bit more more informative decisions. But still, and I mean, it's not only in the sustainable science um, area that there's greenwashing going on. I mean, no, it's everywhere. And when you watch TV and all these advertisements, and some of them are just horrific. Yeah. And it's a shame because, yeah, a lot of people fall for it and it's just about money and that shouldn't be. But then again, you cannot blame them if people don't have enough information. It's hard to know, right? I mean, this this world is so complex and not transparent at all. I have another question for you in terms of like also looking back at what happened and all of that. I think in average we've produced a podcast episode per month. But like some months more, some months less. How do you think the reception of our podcast has been in this year? I think it's been really, really good. I think in general, yeah, we've received a lot of positive feedback. Uh, people also reaching out. Uh, we've got interviewed as well. There are a few articles online about us. 
we've been invited also for talks. One of them was, for example, the British Antarctic Survey reached out to us. Um, so we gave a talk about plastic pollution arising from the lab and what you can do about it. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I think it was also cool that um, we could you know, hear also from their side. So they actually had some scientists on the Zoom call live from Antarctica. And um, yeah, um, that was just really cool that to was see. Really cool. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, because for them, they have to plan everything in advance and what they bring there and uh, they only have limited resources available there and they, they really have to think through and they try to reuse things. And I think that's that's really great. Yeah. In terms of listeners, I mean, then we've had listeners in the Antarctic, right, which I think is pretty cool. But I'm also really happy to see that so many people from different countries have tuned in and listened to us. So... Most are from the UK, maybe because you have a great network and Martin Farley is based over there. It's like there is just a very strong Green Lab community over there. Um, but also Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, the US and actually 37 other countries have tuned in, which I think is incredible. That's just incredible. I mean, 37 countries. I've never been to so many countries. <laughs> so. <laughs> Me neither. Well, your voice has been there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool fe uh, feeling, you know, it's just uh, that people want to listen in. And um, one of the things that we've also seen, which I find very interesting, is that the majority of our listeners are female and that 43% of our listeners are actually in, in the age between 28 to 34 years. So that's uh, that's quite interesting that it's our generation, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of wondering what who the others are. I'm guessing there are not so many pensionists tuning in and listening to us. Hopefully, there are some students too. I think I think also I've seen in the statistics that roughly one percent of our listeners are over sixty years old. So there are definitely people in the older generations listening in. Um, but yeah, the distribution is that the majority are in our age range, and then there is a small dec decline. Um, so I think it's around 20-something percent that are in their 20s. It's good to hear that we have many age groups tuning in. I mean, I think for sustainability in general, we do see most awareness and action among the, the younger generations. Mm. But of course, we need everyone to accept the fact that the world needs to change, but also to accept the change and maybe fuel the change. So that's good. I was wondering, in terms of we, I think we released 12 episodes, something along those lines. Do you have a, like an ultimate favorite episode of the past year where you feel like you learned the most or it was more fun to do? Or Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely enjoyed our episode about um, the IT use, so the carbon footprint related to computational science. And that was with Loic, Jason and Estelle. Mm -hmm. And I just absolutely loved the episode because it was a topic that I didn't really know anything about it. And it really opened my eyes. And out of all the episodes, definitely, I think I implement many of their advice in my daily life. Nice. Um, so, for example, trying not to send PDFs in an email, but rather send a link about how to store data and, and if you do some computational analysis, analysis, make sure that you have the most updated version of your program and also, you know, use a small test sampling data before you run more complicated computational analysis. So 
I just thought it was amazing. Also, the fact that, you know, we were in five different countries when we interviewed them. I mean, Jason was in Australia. Well, like, and we were in, in the UK, but... Um, okay, so four different countries. <laughs> and you were in Denmark and Estelle in the Netherlands. True. I just absolutely enjoyed it. And they are so passionate about their science. So, um, yeah, that was my favorite interview that we have conducted so far. What about you? I also really enjoyed that podcast. I think in a way it was it was difficult to make because we were so new to that topic, but that also meant we learned a lot. Like preparing for that interview and also yeah, doing it and editing it. I was like, whoa, this is really beyond what I'm used to to working with, but it's really important and I also really think a lot about how I do things uh, computational wise or on my computer. But another episode I I also really liked doing was the one with Turn and Kate about the thoughtful travel campaign or let's say generally about how do we get academic folks to simply fly less without compromising the work that we're doing how do we get funders to engage and also to change the behavior that they are or change their behavior because they also fly in people for ridiculously short interviews and things like that how do you get your management to take a take a stand on this how do you get your colleagues to accept that You know, online meetings are great too, or conferences don't have to be physical every year. And I think we had really great discussions with them, and they were also so extremely knowledgeable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. They they were so passionate and very knowledgeable. Yeah, and just the fact that they are actually engaging with funders and, you know, the people in power, so to say, in the science community, I think that's extremely well done and They're really taking taking one for the team there, which I think is amazing. I think it's also amazing if you can do stuff at your own little lab bench in your daily life. That's that's also great. We just also need to to work on the bigger agenda and get funders, for example, institutions to to take the right decisions and give us the motivation and incentives to to change. Yeah, definitely. And another episode that I really enjoyed actually was the interview with Hannah from Green Labs Netherlands, just simply because. I think it was really interesting to hear about her journey in establishing this green network in the Netherlands. And I think it was also useful for the listeners to to kind of yeah understand the steps um, and, and, and how it works to build up a network. Just hearing about the challenges and all the thoughts that she had, I thought that was also extremely um, useful. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's maybe also the power of the podcast or can be the power of the podcast. One thing is that we can give specific advice, but also that people can get to hear about what's the what's the experience from other people struggling or dealing with with stuff or starting networks or whatever. And actually, the next episode that will be released is also like, let's say, an inspirational knowledge sharing episode, this time on minus 70 degree freezers. So minus 80 is kind of the standard but it doesn't have to be. And we found two examples where labs have chilled up their freezers, so adjusted the temperature from minus 80 to minus 70. And we interviewed them to hear about, like, how did this actually come around? Like, how did you get people to accept that you would change the freezer temperature? And how does it work now? What kind of samples are you storing at minus 70? So hopefully this can also give give some inspiration or motivation for the listeners to uh, to try to take the same, let's say, fight in their lab environments to do the same. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that episode because it's such an important 
hot topic that is discussed uh, you know some people are just so skeptical and others are already doing it and uh, for many many samples it, it works so why not save uh, energy and um, reduce co2 emissions no, related to that um, exactly and what about beyond that adriana what do you think uh, like where would where would you like to go with this podcast so I personally, I, I would like to continue because I'm I'm learning so much. I mean, I started, uh, you know, without knowing that much at the beginning when I reached out to you, wanted to learn more about it. I did a little bit of research about primarily plastic, plastics and labs, but I'm just learning so much and I just really enjoy meeting the people and making the episodes. So I would really, really like to continue the podcast. Obviously, we've been... Um, quite busy and with a job change and, and, and everything. But um, yeah, I'm just so passionate about the, the this podcast. And um, as long as we have listeners tuning in, I think we should definitely uh, continue. I would also really like to continue. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really nice to do this with you. I also just, of course, like the topic. I'm passionate about it. I think it's important that people have kind of easy to access ways of being informed or inspired, learning from others, etc. And I think a podcast is nice in that way. I think ideally I would also like us to release more regular episodes and more episodes. But realistically, I can also just see we're both we're both very busy with a lot of stuff, both volunteer work, but also the actual work. And we're engaging in sustainability things in other ways as well. What we two also discussed was like it would be actually nice to have more people on board yeah. for all kinds of things. It could be conducting interviews, it could be the editing, it could be whatever. I think that would that would be amazing. It also, I mean, there's so many people who know stuff. It doesn't have to be just you and me doing this. Um, and I think it's just important that we generate some knowledge and, and pass it on in a easily digestible way. Yeah. So yeah, the plan is that we keep going, keep going. Um, ideally, we would have some people also helping out. So yeah, people are very welcome to reach out. If you would like to contribute, it could be on the email or on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And of course, if people have ideas for episodes, topics, people to interview or whatever, we're also very, very happy to get that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we need uh, support and uh, that way we can produce more content. Please reach out to us. We want to help and get involved. And it doesn't mean that you have to maybe volunteer regularly. Like We're flexible. We're flexible. Yeah, we're flexible and uh, see how much time the volunteers have available. And then we'll go from there. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Adriana. I think it's uh, it was nice to reflect back on the year that passed, both for the two of us personally and professionally, but also the Green Lab landscape, the podcast, and also where we're going forward, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I just really enjoy talking to you. So, um... <laughs> you too, or me too, or whatever the right answer is. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to get in touch, please feel free to email us at podcast at avasustain.com. That is podcast at avasustain.com. We have also put this email address and other useful links in the notes below this podcast. Till next time.